0: The gas station down the street, I bought them all. They, they don't have any left.
1: <laughs> so now You I bought out the this. entire supply of your <laughs> Rockstars. You've depleted all the all of all of their supply. Hi guys, this is Nicholas.
0: And I'm Matthew.
1: <laughs> and here today on Playing Pussy with Matt and Nick. We're basically just introducing ourselves to whoever's listening.
0: Yeah, I wanted to start off and uh, talk about how we got to the place we're at now. You've been doing comedy for about eight years now, right? Yeah, about eight years. When did you start? I started at the
1: end of, I think it was at the end of 2013. So actually, that's probably, yeah, about eight years in, at the very end. So basically, it was like, I think it was after Christmas, it was like December 6th, or not December 6th, That that's not after Christmas. Um, it was December like 27th or 28th, I went to an open mic.
0: Um, I know I started right, right before then, I'm sure, because I know I went up and I bombed. did did not a single laugh or sound or anything and then there was about two weeks when there was no open mics because it was christmas because it was christmas break yeah yeah and then i remember i started going again because my birthday is january 7th so that was like my fifth or fourth time ever going up and pretty much gone up on my birthday ever since every single time oh nice yeah (laughs) yeah we both
1: started in fresno california (laughs) no shows just open mics yeah
0: (laughs) Started off,
1: I actually owe my comedy uh, career to our good friend Derek Hayden, you know I went to a friend's birthday party <coughs> at the Starving Artist Bistro, and um, This is before you set, this start. is before I ever got signed up I went there for my friend's birthday, and it was on I believe it was on a Tuesday And then I saw that they had open mics and that was the first time I'd ever seen any kind of open mic for comedy. That, um, that was a
0: real brutal one too. It was real brutal. Yeah, the owner then... would sit next and he wanted it to be clean and he would sit next to the stage and like make sure you were clean
1: oh yeah absolutely or else he'd turn your <laughs> mic down on you the fucking worst
0: and then but he I mean, would always tell these fucking awful dad jokes well that's how i started and tell us like you guys don't know what's funny or you guys don't know what the fuck jokes are and then gives tells these awful
1: Well, that was like, because when I first started, I just was interested in it. And I had like maybe one joke written, like maybe one or two jokes that we used to just text between me and a bunch of friends that like were original. But then we were always just texting each other like the stupidest dad jokes and puns and internet jokes. And then when I went back the second time to watch again, I was, I had been drinking and I was a little buzzed. And at that point I built a little bit of a rapport with Derek the year or the week before and then Derek told me he signed me up on the mic and I was kind of drunk and I was like well I've never been afraid of public speaking but I didn't have any jokes but I was like I didn't have any original material and so Derek signed me up and I was thinking you know like I'm not going to let this person punk me you know like I'll get on stage like whatever and so I just went up and I told uh internet puns like you know just stupid jokes like uh why well, was the frog waiting for the bus cuz his car was towed you know stupid fucking dad jokes and I did that for, did that, and I just kept going back and having fun and telling open mics and doing that. And then, um, you know, I'm just, I wasn't trying to be original at all, it was just having a good time, enjoying it. It was Fresno, it was small town bullshit, you know. But um, then I got, um, then my friend Aaron Stewart, really great comic, um, he was running, he was running like, the oh, he was running the shows and stuff back in those days at like Thai Palms and, other venues, but he put he we were friends, and he put me on a show with them, and I did it. And then afterwards, I just was like, "Oh man, that was fun." But I got laughs off the stupid jokes, you know, from all the the cow folk in Fresno, California. You know, like all just the dumb people, all the dumb fucking dads and shit that loved all of it. But then Aaron sat me down and was like, "Do you like this?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do, do you really think you can do this for real?" And I was like, "I think so, yeah." And he's like, "Well, then you, you, I, I'm telling you right now, just start." writing your own material, your own jokes, don't say any of the stuff you did now because you'll never get booked anywhere else other than that, um, other, other than little places like this, you know, and I took that to heart, and then I stopped going for like six months, I just didn't go, I didn't go to any mics for six months, and all I did was write until I had, thought I had like three minutes of material, and then the first time I went up and got a laugh off of like my own original idea, it was like a game changer, like it completely changed my mind, changed my life on like how how i perceived everything in comedy you know because i was like oh that's what it's really about and then i was hooked ever since
0: so you could say you kind of you stopped playing pussy at that point
1: i stopped playing pussy at that point yeah because you know what i was tired of getting fucked (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we're that's what we really want to talk that's really what our podcast is going to be about it's just like us just Checking each other and checking our friends and talking to people about the times that they played pussy and got fucked and the times They didn't play pussy and it worked out and everything went great. And it's kind of the basis of our show, right? You know, like
0: well, basically the main reason it came up is because <clears throat> Well, it's kind of jumping the gun, but we just moved out here to Austin and it's uh, you know, this is the big city for us We're just country folks from Fresno, so it's the first time we've been in the big city with a bunch of other comics who move from all over the place, and we notice that a lot of people they go up and at the open mics they're pretty brutal sometimes, and you know people get scared and they backtrack and they say, "Oh, this, that's not funny. I'm bombing." And the more and more you do that, it's just uh, it's just blood in the water for the sharks, man. You play pussy, you're gonna get fucked.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't ever go up there and say like you got to commit you got to commit to everything and that you know i still struggle with that a bunch you know and i've uh, you know i've been working on it and every time i do put the effort out and take the risk and it it it, it's, it turns out for the better and i i always feel better about myself you know for not playing pussy but at the same time i am on my own in everyday life and in comedy finding myself you know falling back into that track of playing pussy sometimes
0: i play pussy constantly i mean i ate a jack in a box yesterday that's Playing, pussies, playing, playing pussy. Fast food, eating,
1: eating like shit. Yeah, you're not, not doing what you need to do. Take care of yourself and be the best you can be. That's all part of being playing pussy.
0: But, uh, okay, so we got to, your, that was your first milestone. You did the show with Aaron Stewart. What was kind of like the next milestone in your comedy career?
1: The next milestone was, you know, then I just started, like, getting, in Fresno, I started regularly getting booked on shows as, like, the cold opener, and, you know, like, people would ask me to host, but I never, I never really got into hosting, never really liked it, but I always got, but I always would do the cold opens, you know, like, and introduce the host, and, you know, I would just go up there and do my thing, and, you know, and over time, every time I got, I learned from my previous experience and got better and better, then I started getting feature spots, and, you know, getting on showcases, and, uh, One-time, quote-unquote, headlining, basically just being the the last comic at the end of a showcase with an extra five minutes than everybody else got.
0: So that's like a fifteen minutes, or
1: it's like a fifteen-minute spot, you know. And um,
0: how many years in is this?
1: That was probably that 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 was probably about three years in. It's probably about three years in when I started getting booked on showcases. And so that I was right
0: st- when I was like about to move, probably right.
1: Yeah, probably, yeah, it was like right as you were getting ready to move, because we were pretty much all, like, I was starting getting shows, and, you know, like, being on shows with comics that were coming in, and, you know, I just was lucky that I got along well with certain comics, you know, uh, Phil Medina really took a liking to me, and, like, kind of carried carried me around with him, and took me and put, put me on all his stuff, and gave me a lot of good advice, and showed me how to, like, how, how putting on shows works, and selling tickets is, and, you know, doing your thing, and then then he he moved down to ventura county and started doing his thing and he's killing it right now working on the radio shows and selling out the the clubs out there and then after that you know i was like i started putting on my own shows and stuff in town at fulton 55 down in fresno downtown fresno bringing people in and bringing in comics that i've worked with on other shows that we i got along with i thought were funny and you know like uh and then just you know Brene Vaca was a big help um, He came to town one time, we were on the same show, and we just kind of hit it off. And he was like the one of the first time, he was the first headlining comic to ever like come through Fresno and then stay after the show and hang out with the rest of like the local comics and go out and drink and have a good time. And so we became really good friends. And he, um, Is and he then, like
0: an LA guy, or he's an
1: LA guy? He's from Los Angeles. Um, for, for hilarious! He just uh, just this past year, he won NBC's uh, stand-up contest for the male the male side of it. Oh, cool! Um, and then he, he's doing big things and killing it. And he's all, he's always been good to me, and like inviting me out, or if I'm in town, like I'll just go to like wherever he's performing, hang out with them, and we always have a good time and laugh and. He comes on here when he would do, like, over COVID, he was doing, like, these little outdoor tours from Bakersfield, Fresno, and Modesto. And he'd pick me up in Fresno and I'd do the Fresno shows and go to Modesto with them and come oh, back. cool, cool. What were up. those,
0: like, COVID shows like?
1: They were outside in a tent, like, basically, but open and, you know, and they were really good. Like, um, I mean, and at that time, people were dying for stuff to do. So, like, they were just getting packed out, you
0: know, like, and it was fun getting... You know, he put me up. uh, He put me up as a feature with Jerry Garcia. Well, you were even saying, I know the other day you were telling me, like, it was getting to a point, like, right before COVID where you felt like you were starting to feel actually confident for the first time that, like, maybe you could actually do this and make a living with it.
1: Yeah, because it was, I was, before COVID hit, I was. I was having some really good runs. I would go probably like a three-month run of like shows every weekend, like getting paid to be on shows, you know, not that much, but I was still getting paid to be on shows and feature. Um, And I was getting that confidence in me where it was like it was dialed down and then COVID hit. And then for like the next 10 months, I didn't have anything. And, you know, I and then Renee, as soon as things kind of starting to lighten up a bit and they were letting people do outdoor stuff. Renee but put you, these... you were saying at
0: that time you were almost thinking about retiring, right?
1: Well, during COVID, it was just like I wouldn't it was just like I was you did. You just didn't know when things were coming back, you know. And, you know, I just I built a really good routine, you know, and, you know, in all aspects, I wasn't playing pussy in all my other aspects of life. I had I was working. I was making good money, you know, I bought. Uh, right before COVID, I bought a house. You know, I was I was doing everything you know you're supposed to do as you grow up and get old, quote unquote, or you know the status quo. You know, and at that time, you know, I was like I had a pretty good. I was doing pretty good, physically healthy, um, financially healthy, uh, mentally healthy. You know, I've had a very good routine, and you know. Seeing friends, I was picking up hobbies, started painting. You know that was going well. I was selling, I was selling paintings left and right. Like every time I'd post a picture of a painting on my thing, somebody I knew or somebody that followed me would hit me up and be like, "Hey, how much do you want for that?" And you know, so I was getting like my creativity out in other avenues. And I was, and I just didn't know if comedy was coming back or not. And so I mean, I would got off of like all my social medias for a while for about six months, which was nice. It was a nice little break. Really like let you come through and, or let mm. like just let you like reset and everything so, and so then, did you
0: feel with comedy that was kind of like it kind of pushed you to do that too much like be on social media too often
1: Well, no, because I was into social media before I was even on comedy, in in comedy, like, you know, but I was just in it for the social aspect, all the friends, the Facebook, the Instagram, you know, all that stuff. But then, you know, like once I was like, you know, it's like more narcissistic with the It was more, yeah, it was definitely, well, no, it was just, it was just narcissistic in general, you know, Mm like, just like thinking my shit don't stink, I'm cool, I got all these friends, and in reality, they're just internet people, you know, like, that was like, I had a, even though, you know, I knew a lot of people, you know, like. I have a very small circle still, like of actual people that I connect with and talk to about my stuff, and you know they're spread all over the country now because everyone's just getting moving and doing their own thing. But um, but then when What's comedy the started, when comedy started coming back, when Renee started putting me on those shows,
0: well, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Is like sounds like you were happy and things were pretty good. You know, you got the house, you got the job, you got everything's going well. You're healthy, you're exercising, and so but. What's the thing in like the back of your mind or inside of you that's making you want to go back? Cuz it's a lot of stress and it's a lot of hard work to do, you know, comedy. It's Yeah, it is. It's stressful.
1: Um I think it was just it was just getting back on stage that first time and and killing like and and crushing like and like having like a damn near perfect set like maybe one joke didn't land on I have the recording of it I still listen to it like when I need to pick me up kind of thing how did how did
0: you feel like that day and like when you found out about the show and before the show were you pretty nervous oh I was terrified I was
1: terrified because I mean like I was just a little nervous um I was a little nervous and at that point i had quit drinking i wasn't drinking at all like i would that was before you always have like a beer a A beer so because like over all that like the last or over like during covid i decided to take like a break off of drinking completely altogether it went i think i went like a i think i went like uh 13 months without drinking you know which was not a problem at all you know which was great because i didn't i just was like i don't have i was just making sure too it's also nice checking yourself you know like
0: Make sure it's not something that's not you rely something,
1: on. yeah, that I rely on. And you know, it was rough going up, but I mean, um it was rough going up. But you know, went up there, drinking my so sparkling that, water. Had you
0: always had a beer before you went up.
1: Or? Yeah, because it was more like because when it got into it, it was like also comedy was a good. Well,
0: you would have a beer on stage too, right? Yeah, like, I take a sip in between. I would drink on stage, kind of like, like I would have a the, beer, but that was show. part
1: of my timing, like because yeah. I would like tell a joke and then I'd like drink my beer while everyone's laughing. And then I'd set it back down, but now it's like I don't really need that. I, I'm more, com- I can be comfortable just standing there and let you know, keep that same timing without having to hold my beer or anything like that. But it was also just like being around. I think it was just, it's like you know, what it is. It's like you are who you hang out with. And I mean on that show like the Modesto show the one that went really well that like made me think like okay I'm gonna get back into it and I I got back into social media just strictly comedy based, you know Using it for comedy and
0: I heard specifically the other day this uh, wrestler Brian Danielson one of my favorites. He said you become the five people you're closest to yeah You become like a mix of them. Yeah,
1: exactly Which is, you know, yeah, like you are who you hang out with. And so, and then it was just that night we had a, we had a, we had to- But what was,
0: what, what were you, what was going through your mind and what were you feeling? Like when you've heard about the show and then like before the show and right before you went on stage, like what was that? that well, when I heard about
1: like, the show, I was like, Rene just hit me up, said he's coming through town. And I was like, "I obviously offer offered for him to, to crash at my place, you know? And he was like, okay. And then, um, but he was going, he, he, he was bringing a bunch. He brought a few different. He brought a couple comics from LA, and then headlining was Jerry Garcia, um, phenomenal comic, hilarious. Got a special on HBO. Definitely check that out. Um, but and so we went up. Is it and, in Spanish or is? it... No, no, it's it, his is in English, um, but he does. I mean, he is. He does speak Spanish, but I mean, I don't think he does any of his comedy in Spanish. Hmm. But I remember he brought up. Um, I can't remember all the names because it was a decent lineup and then i ended up featuring for featuring for uh for jerry and it was just uh one of those times where it's like we were there we we're all having a good time like everyone there was still like just it was it was everyone was like lax and chill there was no pressure really it was like we're having to have a good time we're here to everyone in the audience was there to have a good time and you know i just watched everyone go up and just do well and do well and do well and it was a, it was actually a mixed show. It was a English and Spanish show that it, this this one was on. Um, and I can't remember his last name. I've, I can't remember his last name, but a little, this comic name Elias. He went up, and he did. He went up right before me. Um, he went up right before me, and he, all he did was speak Spanish. He spoke not His whole set was in Spanish. And about probably about seventy-five percent of the audience could speak Spanish there, which was which was great. Like it was fun. And then I went up, and then like. They introduced, they brought me up, and it was just like I was feeling super nervous, kind of like oh, kind of jittery, and how's this gonna go? And then, but then it's just like, but that's how I feel every time they call me up, and it's like every time they call me up, they say they say my name, like here comes Nicholas well, Apaglia. Yeah. I just instantly something clicks in my brain that says like oh, I'm the funniest guy here. Go do your thing and have a good time.
0: What what I love about it is it reminds me of being in wrestling because when I was a wrestler in high school, I was like. After wrestling practice, I would go home and I would be afraid to go to wrestling practice the rest of the night. As soon as I woke up, I'd be afraid to go to wrestling practice. And then, especially when we had a match, like all day, I would think about the match and I was terrified of the match. But when it's time and you get called, you know you have to do it.
1: Yeah, you have to perform. You can't play pussy.
0: But that's that's what I love about going to the open mics or going and you have a show. It's just like, yeah, you're going to be nervous. You're going to be a wreck. You're going to have all this anxiety, but you know when they call your name, you're going to go up there. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, that feeling of just like, well, this is just what's going to happen. You know? yeah. Kind of like a Buddhist thing.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like just accept it and do it and enjoy it and make the best of it. And, you know, and, you know it took me a lot. I mean,
0: Especially a long- the, once you're there, like, what are you going to do? yeah you're just gonna not go up when they call your name
1: (laughs) sorry no i don't want to do it No, yeah no no, i'm scared i don't want to (laughs) like you'll never get booked again that's that then you're then you're getting fucked you know like definitely but yeah i mean that's just kind of like my mindset is i still get that i still get nerves and anxious on stage you know like um open mics definitely give me more nerves just because it's like oh really yeah they get um, especially like here like brutal ones I mean because a lot about 90 percent of the open mics that we've gone to so far just in the month we've been in Austin have been nothing but other comics
0: well yeah and that's something we probably need to explain a little bit like I think in most comedy scenes that's what it's like every open mic is uh, just other comics basically but in Fresno we were kind of spoiled and especially me I lived in Boise for 3 years so we were really spoiled there it's like there's smaller towns so people actually do show up to the open mics
1: Yeah definitely like before we moved out here we were going to the open mic in Fresno had yeah, 20 uh, or 30
0: non comics there sometimes
1: Yeah I mean I that, I mean we had this one um called Just the Tips comedy show um and the the promoter would put on put a show on, a showcase and then he would do an open mic after and like uh, after co like like before covid it we 'd have like maybe four or five people from the show stay for the open mic, but after COVID and everything reopened up you 'd have everyone you 'd have you 'd have anywhere from forty to sixty people cram in this little lounge and stay for the show and then about ninety percent of those people would stay for the open mic
0: there 's some I went to right when I graduated from college, so that would have been think 2018 yeah when I was going to those ones it was great there was like 20 or 30 people there was that in Montana or Boise
1: no this
0: is just the tips oh in Fresno it's yeah. when uh, I graduated from Montana and I went back to Fresno for a few months Oh, okay I moved yeah. to Boise oh yeah definitely yeah I remember that <laughs> so those are great we were spoiled but that's I guess there's one open mic out here you're saying that's kind of like that but you have to sign up really far in advance and it's kind of like the open mic that's different than the others because it has a crowd and stuff
1: yeah but I went to I went and checked it out last night it's on Tuesdays at the buzz mill it's ran by a comic by the name of um, Andre Ricks and i and I messaged him yesterday but it's too late to get on the list for last night but me and Derek Hayden after our show over at, or in our show but our we went to an open mic in uh, Round Rock Texas at American Legion and performed for about about uh, eight eight comics and about 10 non-comics, you know, actual audience oh, members. and was pretty good. And it was fun, and they gave us 10 minutes, and it was good to, like, be able to not have to rush through things and do things how we actually oh, yeah. really wanted to try and get something out. That sounds good. And it went really well, and then we went over and checked it out, and, yeah, all the pretty much all the local comics that we've been seeing, like, the last month, they were all out there at that mic. And then the audience, the audience members that were, like, engaged in the show was probably anywhere about 30 yeah. to 40 people, and then, you know, there was just probably about another 60 people at the venue hanging out.
0: Well that was a uh, another thing we were saying the other day that's pretty nice about here is we're used to small town comedy where it's like a lot of politics and everyone knows each other, people are fucking each other, there's drama, and so far it's been nice, it seems like people are pretty chill and cool and just kind of let you do your thing and they're not up in your business, and there's so many comics it seems like that won't really be a thing, hopefully. Yeah,
1: I think it's, <laughs> I think it's uh, more along the lines of like, around here, like, it's just because, like, uh, all the comics I've met, I've only met one person that's an actual comic that's from Austin here in this scene that I've we're in. I've heard that
0: they are, like, not coming out a lot. That's what I know.
1: Well, yeah, I, that's what you were telling me the other day, like, uh, about the politics of the whole new, the new people coming in versus the old people, the old people being here, but... uh Well, apparently,
0: and, like, if you guys know more, you know, tell us in the comments or whatever, but... uh apparently the comedy scene in austin as of right now uh december of 2021 yeah pretty much all the open mics and everything we've been going to are all made by new people who just moved here yeah and that most of the old school comics have their own other scene that we are like not privy to at this point yeah and that it was mostly based around cap city which is closed right now but i think it's going to turn into a different club
1: yeah i heard i Heard some another big company, comedy club company bought it out and going to turn it into something else
0: here. So that's all I, from the rumors I've heard. Supposedly, they're waiting for the official club to come back and that they have their own shows, but they're kind of not yeah. super excited about all the exactly. newbies coming and in. Exactly. And when
1: we first got here, we went to a show at that, um, at that, that, uh, that, that coffee shop, remember? When, uh, Winston Dean invited us to his show over there. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the old people? apparently the guys that run that show those are those guys are part of the old scene okay. so that was one of those shows from oh, the old okay. scene but we just didn't know because we ran into um i could
0: see yeah it seemed different there's a lot less uh it's just a lot less retarded <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was actual like strong com.
1: well i'd say i'd say on that show there was about it was a 60 40 strong comics to look, to not to to comics that i felt i could have done better than you know
0: oh no, i didn't mean quality wise i just meant it was less like no i meant quality wise i'm badass (laughs) (laughs) i just said it's less belligerent like it Uh, seems like the, the current scene right now is just so you know real rowdy and juvenile and i love all that stuff but this one seemed a little classier i guess like more seattle kind of show i guess
1: more well put together and just yeah a little more organization definitely and um that, I mean that show we went to. It was outside, and every single table was full. It was packed out there. So I mean, they
0: looked. There, like there was something you said that I wanted to touch on before I forgot. Okay. <clears throat> You're saying you get more nervous to go out to the open mics.
1: Yeah, I think I've always. I mean, I, it's just something about empty chairs and people not laughing, kind of thing. Like that makes me that when people don't laugh, that like definitely affects my confidence level. Like to like not a major degree, but some degree it makes me feel uncomfortable. than opposed to. Being on stage, like, the first time I got on stage and it was a, to a completely packed house, I was freaking out. Completely freaking out. Because all I'd ever done was, like, open mics or shows with, you know, 10 to 20 people in them and, you know, empty chairs. And done well enough, you know. But it, was, it wasn't until after I'd, like, actually experienced, like, a packed room. I think the first time I did that was the first time I did, the, uh, did one of Phil Medina's shows out at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club and i got up there and it was in that club and it was packed out i think it had like maybe 250 300 people in that club and i got on stage and i was terrified but uh, but everything got a laugh. Not it, not every joke made everybody laugh, but everything got a laugh.
0: And, so and that's that's kind of comforting to know that someone will laugh. And, yeah, oh,
1: and yeah. it's not like it's not like crickets. And that's what it is at open the open mic scene here. Is it's just like it's crickets, you know. And it's it's a little nerve wracking because it's like you know, and you go up there. Sometimes and you know, it's worse than crickets. It's worse than crickets sometimes
0: it, it's almost like not. Well, I know sometimes like especially when I started, I would go to the open mics and I was so scared I couldn't laugh at anything. Yeah. And even I would hear stuff that I thought was funny but I couldn't cuz I and you feel that energy when you go to these especially when there's tons of new people, you could feel everyone's like real tired. Everyone's real know? tense,
1: everyone's in their notebooks while you're on stage. They're mm-hmm. sitting in the chairs but they're not looking at you, engaging, they're just they're not having a good time. And I felt that also. That's a big part of like what does has been helping me the last couple of weeks like getting used to these these types of open mics again cuz like you said we were spoiled back in back in Fresno to having audiences and stuff and Um, just
0: the when you're in a scene like that long enough the young comics look up to you and they'll almost kind of like give you um, bonus laughs just because they like you or look up to you yeah and like
1: come in here and then you just have like everyone's in their own head about what jokes they're gonna tell and plus it's different because at the open mic scene where we're at in Fresno you know that was the only mic for the night you know, so like comics would go, do their set, stick around, hang out. Everyone would have drinks afterwards, chill, watch everyone's set. And then everyone would talk about comedy afterwards. But here there's so many mics tonight. People go, they sign up, they do their set and they immediately leave. So, I mean, on sometimes, some nights you go out and if you're like at the end of the mic, you're only there. The only people there watching you are in the audience are the comics that haven't even gone up yet. And then so they're just they're just looking through their notes. Trying to go, trying to figure out what they're gonna say, not listening, or just like we all do, we sit there and we, if we are watching a comic, we're sitting there and like it just for us, it's like just our nature to be like, oh, that's funny. Like you're analyzing it more than you're like here there to laugh. You're like, mm-hmm. how's that funny? Or even in your own mind, you're like, oh, that works, but he it, he could it could have been better if you did this. You're, you're analyzing it and doing yeah. things in your head, and mm-hmm. and it's like I don't like to go out and give unsolicited advice to anybody and any level of comic, but I'm also like, we're in a new scene too, so it's like I'm seeing comics that I do f- feel like have a good sense of humor, and, and do have a good ri- a good ability to write and stuff, and you know, like like I said last night, I ran into that gentleman, that comic, Jared, and I just kind of like said, hey man, I thought, I thought of this like little extra tagline for your joke, I mean, if he uses it, he uses it, if he doesn't, he doesn't it's not going to hurt my feelings, you know? But when, I'm sh-
0: I, when I'll say something is, I've seen a few people like, do something and it doesn't get any laughs or anything. And then I'll go up after and be like, dude, that's that's really good. That's a good setup. That's like, you got something there? Keep doing that one. Like, even though, yeah. you know, whatever happened today, keep doing that because it's a good idea. Yeah. I'll say something, you know. Some-
1: yeah. And it's like, and I'm not, and I mean, it's not like, oh, you should listen to me. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, Because, like, in reality, they're looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, like, who the fuck is this guy? And especially us being new in town and stuff like that. You know, this one guy had a bit, and I was just, like, he had this bit where he was, like, talking about laying down and having, like, water dripped on him, like, water torture, and, like, he set it up really well, and it was really fun, and granted, he was saying it in just a a bunch of comics, but he, like, laid down on a bar stool, and I just thought, you know, it would be even funnier if he committed and just went straight to the ground, you know, and just, like... Went straight to the ground and did a joke. Instead of him, like, bent backwards over a bar stool. Like, yeah, it's funnier like, if you go straight to the ground. It's funnier yeah. if you go straight to the ground and commit. And, like, I just happened to mention to it when he got off stage. and kind of looked at me all weird, like, who the fuck are you giving me advice? <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, man. Well, I was just like, I am just saying that's an idea, you know. Like, give it a try. Yeah, you know, he something. wasn't playing pussy, bro. No, nah, dude. He was going to swing on you. Apparently he was. He didn't commit and go to the ground, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he gave me a weird look. And I you just... meet people like that, but that's. To me, that's like, that's not the real comic attitude, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely not. You gotta be constantly ready to get shit on, or to get good advice, or to get bad advice. Exactly. Know? Just gotta be receptive, yes and, you know? Exactly. Let's switch gears up a little bit, why don't you tell me... Wait, wait, there's the thing. What? I, I forgot, that's, that's why I mentioned the, the oh. thing you said. okay. You said that you, you get more nervous at the open mics than the shows. Well, I'm the opposite. And I think it's because of uh, back in Fresno, <clears throat> when we started out, eventually I got to host my own open mic, and my open mic was like the shit open mic that we go to out here, where it's just other comics and no one gives a fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, but with all the comics back home, there was less of us, and so there wasn't there was an opportunity to have many clicks or anything, so we were all just one big click, and we all knew, we all went to your mic knowing we were going out to have fun and support each other, and laughing occasionally you know we'd get a couple we get a few audience members but for the most part you're right it was like that but we'll get back to that we gotta start with you like tell us describe describe to everyone about how you started comedy and how you got to the place how was your pee did it feel good it hurts it hurts got those kidney stones
0: well it's none like of your business <laughs> Hi, bro. I'm your friend. I live with you, bro.
1: <laughs> live with you, dude. I gotta know what's going on. No, I don't. But let's get back, let's get back to ahead? it. So, totally kind of told you how I got started into it, and you asked some questions, and we got off on a rant, which is really good, but let's hear about, like, tell, tell, us, tell everyone your perspective from when you started comedy and how you got started in it.
0: Well, when I was <clears throat> It's interesting, because I feel like I go through these... Um, I feel like I'm almost sort of... Uh, Bipolar when it comes to extroverted or introverted. And I think it started when I was a little kid because we used to move all the time. And I remember you telling me you moved a lot when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And Derek moved a lot when he was a kid. He's our friend. He's a comic. I think that a lot, that a lot of comics are like that. Like you kind of learn how to be funny because you're just constantly moving all the time. And you need to learn how to make friends or whatever, or learn to cope, you know?
1: Exactly. Like, that was the easiest way to make friends, and the easiest way to be able to sit at every table in the lunchroom is if you were, like, cool and, you know, and funny, you know? Like, if you could make people laugh, then they didn't mind if you were hanging out with them, you know, and getting to know you. And that was a big thing about comedy. Like, even back then, subconsciously,
0: it was, like, the easiest way to make friends. But um, this must have been... I think it was second grade it could have been third grade but I know we used to have um show and tell and then at some point throughout the year I just stopped bringing stuff and I would go up and do stand-up oh really and what grade was this it's like seven or eight years old okay and I don't remember what I did but I remember the teacher would laugh I remember everyone in the room was laughing the teacher would be laughing everyone would be laughing and I would just go up and do like improv And, like, pick up a stapler and, like, pretend to staple myself. Or just, like, I don't know what I would... I don't remember what I would talk about. But I remember I used to do that every week. You're like, man, fuck my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, yo. Hey, yo. So, from that age, I was like, damn, that's cool, you know. But then I kind of got more into music and sports and other stuff. And then... I remember telling my friends when we were in a band, I started thinking about that would be cool, you know, because I I went to film school and I was thinking I was going to be a director for a while. And then I was in a band for a while. And throughout all these like creative things, I kind of realized like I really I don't really like collaborating with people. I don't like people telling me what to do. I just want all 100 percent do my own thing. So I figured the two things I could do is I could be a writer, be a rapper, or I could be comics so those are the two things
1: did you ever rap i did rap yeah did i know? have
0: i have rap songs do you oh you gotta let it you gotta we gotta put some of these out i know i want to make a new album with that boston guy what's that guy's name oh tyler large yeah yeah tyler large is a very
1: movie. funny guy that we met to or, feature yeah. i briefly met him like the other day but then we like it's like high and by kind of thing and then we saw him perform and it was just fucking one of the funniest things i've ever seen
0: it's the only funny thing i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> Don't play me, son.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get that guy on one of our lists. You know, or one year. of our one of our podcasts. Talk to him. I'd like that.
0: Uh, but anyways, it's going on for too long. I, I've uh, procrastinated for so long. I wanted to do it for a really long time. Even in you know, in high school, I was a big fan of Bill Hicks and David Cross and uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David. Fucking and great stuff. Yeah, Maria Bamford and Brent Weinbach, I got to be... That was when I was close to feeling like I really needed to do it. He was my favorite comic at the time, great comic, and I got to be there at uh, uh, UCB Theater for his album taping. That was really fun. That kind of got me to itch more. And uh, so I was about 26 years old, and I lived with my grandparents. I delivered pizzas, and my car broke down. And it was breaking down all the time. It broke down for the last time. And my dad said, like, you should just come move up to Fresno with us. Grandpa doesn't want you living there anymore. You're a fucking loser. I was, like, alcoholic and <laughs> just fat, disgusting. Kind of at the uh, rock bottom, basically. So then I moved in with my parents in Fresno. I got a job at this record store. And uh, eventually there was a party with everyone from the record store. And there was a comedian there named Rafi Bearcat.
1: Okay. Yeah, I remember Rafi. I love that guy. Yeah, and he
0: was just going around and joking with everyone, so I started joking with him, too, and we were drinking, and he told me he was a comic, and I was like, man, that's amazing. That's crazy. Like, I could never do that. That's so cool. And he told me, oh, this is where the mics are, and, yeah, the next open mic, you're going to go up. Like, I'm going to make you go up. You have to go up. So then uh, that's when I did it, and uh, Bottoms Up, that was the first place I went up.
1: Bottoms Up, I remember that spot. Yeah. That was Brutal Mike. Brutal Mike, yeah. It's funny, though like, other people
0: forced us to get – to do the thing that we now... That we're in love with, you know? Right. But I was going to do it eventually. I just needed someone to help me, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I feel... I mean, I can, I kinda, I can, I can feel the same, like, sentiment. Like, I felt like I was going to do it or get on stage at least once, but it wasn't until, like, you know, Derek... Well, especially, kept... like,
0: meeting someone. You meet someone, and they're like, oh, I do it. Yeah. And like, oh, wow. You're just a guy like me, you know? Yeah, so. you can... Yeah.
1: It's funny when, it's funny when people that... Know you find out that you do it, you know, or you meet people because it's not like the first thing that, like, especially in Fresno, it wasn't like the first thing you'd say when you meet somebody new, like, Oh, what do you do? You, you don't go, Oh, I'm a comic, you know, I have a real job, I work here, you know, I go to school, I'm doing this, you know, I'm an open mic comic, you know, you don't say that, but then like when it comes up, I'm like, Oh, yeah, I do stand up comedy, you know, like I tell jokes. And
0: well, that's what I at my, uh, at my because the day I did comedy, that was one of the worst days of my life, and I went to the I was just so nervous, so I like, bought a bottle of whatever, and I was drinking in the parking lot, and I was drunk by the time I went on stage, and like didn't get a single laugh, no one made a noise, and I just went back to the car, and I was just like, feeling like a worthless piece of shit. So when I had my open mic, <clears throat> I would always tell people, like, so if you're seeing someone go up at this open mic and they've never done comedy before, really good chance, probably like 95% chance this is the worst day of their life. Yeah. So how would you want someone to treat you on the worst day of your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was always trying to, I was always just nice and trying to be nice to everyone and be cool with everybody. And not <laughs> that's what my mic was like. It was
0: always very morose. <laughs> yeah, <you> know, like, <laughs> it was. It was,
1: but it was, it was the, it was the greatest. Those are some of the best times. I looked forward to Monday nights at Groggs. You know, like shout out to Groggs, Irish pub in Fresno, California, letting us just act like fools and. Not not censoring us and letting us do whatever we wanted in that back room, you know?
0: Yeah, that was the best, man. The place was awesome, and they always gave me free beer and free dinner. So that was, yeah, the best job I ever had.
1: Yeah, that was great. We got to have fun, hang out with friends, meet new people. People would come through, check it out, you know? It was great.
0: So then, yeah, we were going to the open mics, uh, met you, met everyone else, and... Uh... Yeah, I met you. I think, I think we met, like, we had met... At
1: Starving Artist once. Didn't we meet at Starving Artist or did we meet at Grog's?
0: I don't know.
1: I think we met at Grog's. I'm pretty sure we met at Grog's. Like, actually met Met. I think you might have been there the first time I was on stage. Or I think you might have been there the first time I was on stage. At Gro- when
0: did Grog's start? Who was the host when it started? Was it JT? Uh, it was Danny Mitch.
1: Danny Minch was running that one,
0: and then he gave it to JT, and then JT gave it to Blake, and then Blake gave it to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, as everyone moved on in their lives, and they wanted to keep the my they, the the venue wanted to keep the open mic going, and they enjoyed having us, you know, because we were all, I mean, not only that, but we were all young and drinking and partying all the time anyway. So we'd just go in there and drink. We'd get like one free drink, oh, and then yeah, they you know, probably
0: make like two hundred dollars profit off of all of us in one night.
1: Yeah. Plus that place was all. Plus that place was pretty busy anyway. In general, the food was pretty good too. Yeah, it's a successful little sports bar, you know. And they just put us in the back, and you know, sometimes people would. We're wander in the over. back room, so
0: it didn't really mess with business.
1: Yeah, and then you know, people would walk over and you know, on the so way you know, to taking a shit. On the way to taking a shit, they'd walk over, <laughs> see there's comedy going on, and they're like, "Oh, I just took a shit, but that's all." There's comedy in the back room. Let's go watch a little bit, and people would come in for a couple comics and leave. And, you know. That was the
0: other really cool thing about Fresno is each mic kind Of had its own, like everyone would go to every mic, but there were some comics who would only go to Grog's, or some comics who would only go to Danny's mics, or some comics who would, you know, live closer to uh Visalia, and...
1: yeah. I mean, because granted, we we made it work to where we were getting up, you know, three to five nights a week, but sometimes, sometimes, you But know, sometimes the mics would go sometimes, out the business. mics would die, yeah, the mics would die out. But I remember even if we wanted to get up, you know, more than three times a week, it was at the at the height we were getting able to we were able to get up three times a week in fresno and then we'd have to travel like two days a week like an hour north or an hour south to you know visalia to larry or even hour and a half to
0: bakersfield or go up to
1: modesto to shea you know yeah or if, if you're really
0: desperate you could bomb like a a music mic
1: those were really fun actually that was probably my favorite one at at it was Audie's at the time, right? Yeah, so Audis Olympic. Yeah, that one. It was a music and comedy mic, and they did it well because they'd do like,
0: they would do like kind of spread out the. They comics. would do like
1: two music acts, and then they would do a comedian, and two music acts, and then do a comedian, and you know, and, we, and that was the place that that's the place where we got to grow because everybody, whether it was a band or a comic, got ten minutes, and that was the first. That was the place that really like forced us to grow and get comfortable with our timing because they're like, dude, well, I only have five minutes of material. But I have have 10 minutes on stage, so it's like, we weren't having to rush. That's where I learned a lot of my timing and stuff is like, because it was like, I knew I was not only was I just trying to stretch time out, but I learned like where the timing was because I didn't have to rush through and try and get through everything I wanted to say in a period of three minutes, you know?
0: What was great about that place is it was $2 Tuesdays. Yeah. So $2 beers and it's right next to the community college. And so it'd be wall to wall packed loud you couldn't if even if everyone in the room was laughing you wouldn't hear it yeah and so it was just you're just screaming into the void and that's kind of like and where you where, would just
1: hear like that one or two people in the like at the back of the rooms on opposite sides like laugh at your punchline, and you're like oh, i got you are like i killed
0: and it, at first it was intimidating but then after a few times this is kind of liberating because like, i could say anything and it's like yeah, I guess, no yeah. one hears or i can't tell what people hear or what they don't hear but
1: yeah once we started crashing that mic like the whole scene started crashing it and everyone like everyone really got into like the open mics because at first when we went there it would go up and people would be like listening to the music jamming out and then every time the comics would go up everyone would rush to the bar and like be talking and trying to order their drinks while we're telling jokes but eventually it got to the point to where it's like people there were people that went there every Tuesday because that was their Tuesday spot, and then they would see, like, the, the days that we show up. I mean, I remember going there and having, like, just this one guy. Every time I'd go, I'd walk in the room. He'd just yell, shaking babies, like, across the room, like, yelling oh, my wow. punchline at me. And I was like, this is Mariah great. was
0: a rock star there. People yeah. always loved Mariah there. Yeah,
1: definitely. She was. She's always been good with people and stuff like that. But yeah, it was. uh, Alley
0: always did well there. Yeah,
1: I mean, that place got me. That's like their spot, Tower. That's like, yeah, like Tower District in Fresno, yeah. (laughs) Hippie chicks. But I mean,. Dude, I mean, that was the first place I got laid from being a comic. You know, like <laughs> girls coming up and being like, oh, "I'm still what's waiting up? for that." You know, like, "Oh, hey, you're you're really funny." Da da da. Like, here's my phone number, and then like a week later, like, so "I'm like, all right, cool." I was like, "I, I always did. get the opposite." Well, it didn't so come up to me like I don't laugh at that kind of stuff. Well, it, ha- <laughs> it definitely helps. I mean, he's even the shit I was saying back then was like I was going more for shock value of anything. You know, before I was like, you know, like learned how to critique my stuff. But even then, you know, like I mean, it helps being mildly attractive and in shape, you know, like because I mean, I was, I wasn't ever like, I didn't start comedy like uh, being out of shape or anything. And that was also kind of a bit of a struggle too. Like you know, sometimes you go on places and people'd see and like you'd look nice or dress nice and you'd look, you know, like people a, don't
0: expect you to be less funny,
1: or they, they they or they or they come at you with that thought like, oh, oh he thinks he's funny just because you know, like you know, or just like he oh, just like I, I've had girls. Say like be offended by some of the shit that I've said, and then just like you just think because you're just because you're a pretty boy, you can get up on stage and people are gonna like you. (laughs) And and then for a while, like after that, that's when I really started like you know wearing like glasses and looking (laughs) weird and like trying to make myself look more (laughs) off putting to more off putting to match the Uh, to match the horrible thing. Talk about playing pussy. Talk about playing pussy. Yeah, you know like. (laughs) But then eventually I just kind of I mean my mom. My mom raised me with anti-fashion, wearing like the weirdest stuff. You should see like the, the outfits my mom used to make oh, us wear, like as a kid. You're like just
0: like Joanna, man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just like Joanna. I love and Joanna so much. Oh
1: yeah, dude. It's just like you go up and. And then eventually, I mean, that's just like as, as you get older, you just get more comfortable and more comfortable And then, you know, at some point I just started dressing how I wanted to dress it on that day that I'm feeling It's not about like what I'm gonna look like on stage Like I've gone up looking really nice and spiffy like I'm going out to a nice dinner and go up and have a good show And then there's other times where, you know, I'm wearing the cut-off crop top kitty t-shirt and you know Fucking weird glasses and a beanie and it, I mean and if, it you, if you work. go up
0: trying to be cute or trying to be pretty you will be <laughs> Or you could go up and be funny.
1: True, but it just helps it on both. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll see. We'll see how funny I really am. Only time will tell, folks. Only time will tell.
0: The last thing you want to do is go on stage and try to be sexy.
1: Oh God, no, never, never like, never like, never like trying to be. sexy. Because you, you've seen people do that.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. You know, you just—it doesn't really work unless they're off-putting in some other way. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, I mean, there's plenty of sexy comics, you know, male and female, but, like, you know, the the sexiest female comics that go up and kill, they're not out there drawing attention to how sexy they are, or trying to make it, like, that thing, they just, they are sexy, like, you know, like, it just happens, you know, like... Nikki Glaser's pretty I think she's pretty sexy I and mean, she's she talks. She's very she's over She talks a lot about sex and all that stuff and everything like that But I mean just in general like she, she's not going out there like wearing a bikini or you know like flaunting like all this crap, you know, she's just she's a pretty pretty woman and well I just thing. mean it's like
0: I think my favorite material or the best material is when you write it you should be scared to say it. You be Yeah, like, this is absolutely fucking humiliating. Yeah. Yeah <laughs> 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 no, I agree. I
1: agree. So, uh, for but that's dinner, that's not sexy, you know. Yeah, that's not sexy. I I think um, I think a really good piece of advice someone gave me one time is like you got to go up there and tell the stories that you're afraid to, or you got to tell you got to go up there and tell a story that you don't want anybody to know. That's that's not playing pussy. That's not playing pussy. You know, that's what you got to go up there and do. And you yeah, know, that's the and great
0: shit. That's the best shit.
1: Yeah. And then you know, and you just, and it's so funny because when you write that kind of stuff, like I just started like trying to really focus on that like how we were talking the last week and we did a little writing session you know and it was just like some of that stuff I like a couple of those things I haven't said on stage yet because I'm like terrified to say it but I know that I want you know when I do go up and they say it after I continue working or rewriting it and getting it down to where I can get it with my my cadence and everything I know like I feel like I feel like it's going to do well but I'm also deeply terrified that it won't you
0: know and that's good I don't, that's, you know, that means you should uh, talk about it exactly
1: you're trying to be a little more real than just like the the punchy, the punchy shit that I do, you know.
0: So, yeah, my main thing is there was this place called Haffey's in Tulare. That was about an hour away from Fresno, down south. It's kind of a middle of the nowhere town. But there was this bar called Haffey's, and there was a lot of comics out in that area that I became good friends with, and eventually they bought it, and it became a bar called Barmageddon. <clears throat> and that's where I ended up getting most of my gigs, When we were brand new, I think we were both like a year in, they let me headline there, so I did like 20, 25 minutes. I remember I was telling Nick the other day, I felt like that was kind of, there was a bunch of us who started out kind of the same time, and I was sort of the first person to get sort of their own show, Mm -hmm. and I felt like that was kind of our graduation onto like the next level. Yeah. And not that that level was much higher, but just to the level where we have about 20 minutes. Yeah,
1: Barmageddon was the first place to give me 20 minutes, and then... And then I think after that I did 25 So sure we're really minutes. lucky to
0: have friends who ended up buying a bar. Yeah. <laughs> That it did live shows and uh, good shit too. Good shows, good bands would come through. Good comics come through and
1: and just to clarify, it wasn't like they were our friends before comedy. They were friends we made through comedy. That you know saw what we were doing, saw the work we were putting in, and you know showed us uh, adequate respect and appreciation for our craft and what we were doing and what and you know and how we would how we would talk to other comics and newer comics because you know even I because I remember even being only like a couple years in and then like someone would come up for their first time and see so you do okay at an open mic and then come up and ask you questions and you just you know you can easily just be like no fuck you figure it out yourself like everyone told me you know but it's like yes yeah, not but that's not the per you know you got to be the change you want to see in the world and be nice to people apparently
0: but yeah once i once i started going there and getting gigs there that's when i think i started to get a lot better because that place is basically my house i, I walk up walk around with my shoes off. I would just drink there all night, fall asleep there, wake up there in the morning and hang out there with the bar owners until the next show. And it was really fun. I could do whatever I wanted there. So I felt so comfortable there. I could host whenever I wanted. I could have a show whenever I wanted. And, and they had a really good uh, sound setup too. So eventually it got to the point where all the open mics and all the shows I did there, they recorded every single set. And then I put them together and made my own little uh, CD.
1: Yeah, if you guys want to listen to it, it's Matt Matthew Amos at Bandcamp. What was the name of it? Barmageddon, the mixtape. Barmageddon, the mixtape. Go download that. You can do it for free. You can be cool and dip, drop them a dollar, you know. But Matt Amos, Bandcamp, the Barmageddon mixtape. It's fucking great shit.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and at that point, I basically retired. I just moved to Montana to go to college. To get your master's, right? No, no, just bachelor's. Bachelor's, Okay. And so I moved to Montana for two years, no comedy, no nothing. I think I came back and did like one You did my you did you did mine open mics. Well you came and did my show. That was way later. That was when I was in Boise. Okay.
1: Okay, yeah. You did come back and do that and got super drunk in the corner by yourself.
0: Kinda like the first time you did stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. No, that that was that was the real worst day of my life. Starting stand-up was the, the second. <laughs>
1: and then restarting at a show level?
0: Restarting, yeah. Even worse.
1: I think I had you set to do like 12 to 15 minutes and you did like, no, I had, you were going to do 15 minutes and then I think you ended up doing like 10 and then you just got off the stage and had to like run up and like grab the mic and be the host again, you know? I was like,
0: yeah. That's why I agreed to do a podcast with you. Gotta pay you back. You gotta pay it back. <laughs> pay it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was truly the worst day of my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, but what, so
0: So basically after Fresno, I retired, I went to college, and then I moved to Boise, and I did stand-up there, off and on for three years, but there was a lot of off, a lot of times when I wouldn't go out, just kind of got over it, basically, and started doing other things, writing more, and, but then, uh, I don't know, every time I try to quit, I just can't, for whatever reason, I wish I could. <laughs>
1: It's weird how it just draws you back, you know, like, cause even after all that time away from it during COVID, cause that was pretty much the only break I took was like the COVID break and just all that time off, you know, I was kind of coming to terms with it. Like, yeah, no, I'm cool. Like, you know, I mean, it was like, it was cool that I, did, I didn't need it, but it was all, it was cool that I didn't need it because it wasn't there and I couldn't have it. So I learned to cope and find other things to bring me, bring me peace and happiness and but then, as soon as it came back, it was like, "Nope, that's it. I have gotta go back. Like, it's it's available. I have to have it. You know, like."
0: Well, I'm a I'm a writer. Yeah. And I'm a liar. Yeah. And I lie all the time, and I'm really good at it. Yeah. And so I can lie to myself better than anyone. Yeah. So if I tell myself I don't need it, it's not good. Stand up sucks. Why do I? It's not funny. Like why would why would I need to do that? You know, I can't trust myself. I just have to know how I feel. Exactly. And, and yeah. I can convince myself, and like, it could sound so true over and over again. I could tell myself, I don't fucking need it. It's trash. It's dumb. Like, I hate comedy. And even there was even years where I was like, I won't watch a comedy movie. I won't listen to a comedy podcast. I won't watch stand up. I fucking hate it. Like, I, I, like, convince myself I fucking hate comedy at all. Like, even if I hear someone joking around, I'm like, he's not a serious person. I don't want to talk to him, you know? Oh, wow. So I'm really good. Like, I can just convince myself of all that. But then. Then I have to look in the mirror and see, like, man, you're... You're not happy. You're not happy,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's so, all it is, man. It's just so, like...
0: I, I can't trust myself, you know. I, I don't listen to what I tell myself.
1: That's good, yeah, because that's why it's a good thing you moved in with me, so I could tell you how it is, you know, keep you on track. <coughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. What was that? Was that some chili?
0: Is that chili? So that's basically, yeah, that's pretty much... I mean, in Boise, I did some stuff. I had a good time. I got to open for Sam Talent. Really hilarious comic, really nice guy, and uh, you know I wrote some decent stuff. And I met my buddy Casey out there, and you know, but I didn't do a ton out there. I worked a little bit at the club, but wrote some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, now
1: you know, and then look at that. Now we're both back. Now we're we both moved from where we were at. You moved from Idaho where you were at, right? And then I moved from Fresno, and we got an apartment here in Austin, and now we're. Here, you know, experiencing a new place with jokes and learn taking everything in, and that's basically where we're at in life right now. We live in a nice apartment, and you know, we pay our bills, you know, and we just go out and you know, chase our dreams. Try not to play pussy, because you know, we it's, don't want to get fucked. Because yeah, if you're out there playing pussy, you're gonna get fucked, and that's what that's just basically kind of the the mantra of our podcast, you know. And so with that, I bid you guys adieu. And, uh, you know, I think we'll just end the podcast with if you're going to play pussy, you
0: you will be fucked.
1: So go out there. Be strong. Don't play
0: pussy. Thank you, guys.